Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs. This is a Dave Cruz with a Mass in Wisconsin. And today we're lucky enough to be interviewing Rock Mackey. And Rock is a, is a legend in the Wisconsin business community, as you'll learn why. Uh, Rock has been the founder of two successful medical device companies, Geometrics Corporation, which was acquired by Philips, and Tomotherapy, which they took public. Which he, they took public. He came to Madison in 1987 as a professor in uh, engineering physics and is a professor emeritus since 2011, which he can get into more of the details. And he's currently, he's kind of, his main focus is being an entrepreneur, which he does well, and an investor. And uh, so, Rock, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. So we have a lot, of, lot to talk about. We could go in so many different directions with Rock, um, about research, entrepreneurship, um, kind of his vision for the university and uh, academia. But let's start with uh, Rock's background and uh, how we got into science. And yeah, so that'd be great. Rock, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, sure. I'm, uh, I'm a uh, physicist by training. I got my uh, bachelor's degree at the University of Saskatchewan in, in Saskatoon and <laughs> got my PhD in um, physics at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. And then spent uh, three years in a in a um, radiation therapy clinic in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, before uh, getting recruited to the University of Wisconsin in 1987. So I've been in Madison uh, ever since. Um, first as a a professor of medical physics and human oncology um, at the med school. And I also have appointments in engineering physics, and I've done a lot of work with biomedical engineering. So. Worked in two colleges, um, uh, the the School of Medicine and the College of Engineering. And what is medical physics? Medical physics is the the largest uh, um, uh, program uh, in the in the world. Our department uh, is the mm -hmm. one of the first and the largest in the world. Um, trains about one hundred and fifty uh, physicists who are engaged in uh, practices in medicine, especially radiation oncology and radiology. Uh, but now. Uh, spreading out into uh, surgery, uh, cardiology, neurology, other other fields. Okay, and and how did you were you always interested in science growing up, or how did you get into? Yeah, always interested oh, yeah. in science. Okay. Always interested <laughs> in science. Although after high school, I uh, I spent two years uh, trying to be a novelist. So, really? Yeah, I was also <laughs> interested in science fiction, especially. And I, I it, after two years, I reasoned that I was a lot better. If I would go into science, than if I would stay as a <laughs> as a novelist, so uh, an unpublished science fiction novelist. I was going to well. say, are there any essays or books we should uh, publish in no, those days? No. On that? Okay, all right. Well, I had to ask. So, uh, what was kind of your initial research on and focus or interest when you started your career? So my career was in radiation oncology uh, right at the beginning. So uh, I developed some algorithms um, to make. Um, radiation therapy treatment planning calculations uh, a lot more accurate, mm -hmm. almost an order of magnitude more accurate. And uh, that was my, it turned out to be my PhD uh, in Edmonton. Um, and that gained me some notoriety um, in the field. Uh, and hence, uh, that's why I got recruited to Wisconsin. Um, I ended, ended up implementing that algorithm in, in Pinnacle. Uh, in the product that uh, Geometrics, uh -huh. our first company, uh, developed. Um, 
it was uh, it was also a company that Mark Gehring yeah, uh, yeah. was a founder of, and Mark put all his incredibly simple, uh, beautiful uh, treatment planning code. We had the first treatment planning code in in that product that was event driven. Um, up until that, it was it was a menu uh, it was a menu driven software in in the field. It was the first three D visualization in the field, and it had uh, th this most accurate dose calculation okay. algorithm. So. It, uh, it, uh, that company was, was founded in a partnership with a company called ADAC. And, uh, and what year was that? Uh, so we, it was founded in 92. Okay. And uh, that software is already, already being used in the university um, for radiation therapy uh, in stereotactic radiosurgery, which was, a, which was a, a type of radiation therapy that required 3D treatment planning. So when Mark and I started uh, doing that in, in 88, um, there was no uh, basically treatment planning system you could get for this field. So uh -huh. we had to write the, we had to write our own, or I would say Mark wrote most of the, the visualization and the, the uh, architecture for it. And then um, after the founding of the company, we put in the, the accurate dose calculation okay. and made it gener and generalized it to the whole field of radiation therapy. We got FDA approval in '96. In fact, we had to start the company, not because we were entrepreneurs, but because um, we had layoffs in the in the hospital. That uh, and Mark would Mark would and another programmer would lose their jobs. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. So so we started the company so that they would have so we could keep going and working on the software. We're also told by the FDA that that uh, they were going to soon ban. Um, in fact, they already had banned um, for interstate use, um, any kind of software for treatment planning. We could, we could operate it at UW, but if we wanted, if that software was going to go outside the state, then really? we needed FDA approval for anyone else to use it. And so, so we formed the company really, uh, for, to employ Mark and another programmer and to get FDA and, uh, and the company ADAC found, uh, funded it okay. in a very classic academic way. It was an advance against royalties, just really? like a just like a book deal. Wow! So so by did by, you have a relationship before, or how did it? Uh, no, no, we no. we were just looking at a bunch of companies, and and ADAC ADAC needed us the most because their treatment planning system was was not okay. very good. And and how and how is your system compared to ADAC's? Like, what was the what was some kind of like key? Well, it was, it was uh, fully three D. Okay, right. and it was fully event driven. And what does that mean versus the menu? Oh, uh, well, a menu, you would, a bunch of questions would come up and okay. you'd answer the questions. And it was very uh, tedious because you couldn't okay. go back and forth very easily. Okay. And, and so event-driven is more like a Windows, uh, Windows uh, or Word, right? Where gotcha. you, cl you click and, and every time, every time there, there is something you can do in context, you get, uh, you, you get to see what the button does. And if it's not in the right context, the button turns gray. So, so this yeah. very, so this was very early. In fact, many in many ways, uh, in many ways, earlier than 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 even even commercial software like Word and Wow existed. So it was very sophisticated, very far ahead of its time. Interesting. So ADAC got sold in um, in around. Um, uh, let's see, when did they get sold? Uh, something like two thousand. To Philips, so Philips owns it today. Still, still operates gotcha. it in Fitchburg. Oh, it. Okay. Still, still, they still develop uh, and support the code in Fitchburg, uh, 
just outside Madison. And uh, it is, um, I think they have about 150 employees okay. there, probably about half of them working on, uh, on the okay. software side. And how much money do you raise uh, for well that well, well, that we didn't have to, we didn't raise anything. It was purely a partnership with the company. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. it was about three million bucks that okay. that was the advance. Gotcha. Uh, so very, very cheap, very cheap. <laughs> so, so that software we estimate is probably they've sold, probably sold nearly a billion dollars worth of that software. It wow. reached forty percent market share in wow. the in the industry, it, and it's, it's still the number one um, uh, in terms of number of patients uh, planned with that software huh. worldwide, as far as we can tell. So that was a pretty good uh, ROI for them. Yeah, Did, although, okay. although we sold it, although yeah, and we sold it for for a song to them. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Have you ever disclosed how much she sold it for? We have. Yeah. Yeah. So a little, <laughs> little over four million dollars. Okay. All right. But but also included paying off the what we owed them. So it was probably oh. a sale of seven a seven, seven million. million. Okay. But I estimate it was probably worth ten times that. Probably at least worth really? at least worth forty million, at that stage. Wow. Well, you learn it for the next company. <laughs> well, and, the, and we needed the money for the next companies because okay. Mark Mark went on and started um, started uh, uh, Ultra Visual. Yep. With uh, with Praveen yeah. and and Roger Chilla, and uh, Paul Ruckward, who was one of the founders, yeah. uh, and I went out and started uh, with our money. We started uh, Tomo Therapy the couple of years later, okay. or actually the year later. So before getting the Tomo, how how do you come up with your ideas? So you came up with the idea for geometrics back in your PhD, and then you had the idea for Tomo. Um, yeah, so Tomo was Tomo was about that when I came here in '88, we got the first ideas for Tomo. So, okay. so it was very fertile. '88 was a very interesting very year, very fertile <laughs> yes. year, because I just come to Madison. Uh, we we already had the the roots of uh, of the stereotactic uh, uh, software with Mark. We we had uh, uh, I'd got a grant, hired Paul uh, as a scientist. Uh, and we got the uh, the ideas for tomotherapy, along with two graduate students, uh, Stuart Sverdloff uh, and Tim Holmes. Um, we uh, we really had the started working on the tomotherapy concept and, in '88. And how did you come up with the idea? Or were, it's just, it was just a series a series of uh, what came up. It really came it was the root of it. The genesis of it was a conversation with uh, a Swede named Anders Brahma, okay. who said um, who had told me in '87 that. Um, he had developed uh, a, a way with optimization mathematics to optimize the delivery of radiation therapy, <laughs> but it required highly non-uniform beams of radiation. Kind of co counterintuitive because as a medical physicist, we spent so much time <laughs> making sure the beams were nice and uniform. Yeah. And so his thesis was that, well, that's okay, but the, the dose distributions can be improved a great deal if you could tune, tune it and optimize the, 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 the delivery. Unfortunately, there was no technology that could actually deliver that. Okay. Um, and so we started thinking about well, how could we actually build a machine that would deliver mm. this non-uniform beams of radiation. Interesting. And yeah. so, did you use? Did you take its algorithms then? Were they, were so, so, uh, not so, take, but part of we, well, we were guided by it. We thought okay. we had better. We had better ways to do okay. it. And uh, and uh, but and 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 this 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 spawned actually a whole. A, a lot of research at this university in the optimization mathematical optimization group, uh, Mike Mike Ferris. So okay. he developed a whole bunch of ways too. So developed a huge number of papers written about how to optimize radiation therapy over the huh. next over that you know from from the late eighties uh, uh, through even to the two thousands. Huh. 
Interesting. And so it, uh, the field became intensely modulated radiation therapy. Uh, so it wasn't named when we started our work on it. it people called it, you know, non non uniform beam optimization. Is that still the state of the, state of the art, or there? Uh, still state of still, it's still state, state of the art. Of the art. Yeah. So so the, wow. the all the pretty much all curative patients today uh, have IMRT radiation therapy, with the exception of breast radiation therapy. Okay, and uh, so what year did you start thinking about Tomo's ideas? So we started '88, and then, but we, th- oh, but, we th- right. yeah. but we thought they were a little crazy okay. at first, <laughs> yeah, right? Because because yeah. we were proposing some fairly outlandish things. Um, it wasn't until '91 when, um, so one of the things that we had realized early is that there's a great analogy between the way that we wanted to deliver radiation and CT scanning. In fact, it's it's in, the, in terms of mathematics, it's called the, the adjoint problem. So it turned out that optimization of radiation therapy is the adjoint to CT scanning. <laughs> and so that, that analogy you, was very useful for us. So we delivered you know, with a fan beam of radiation, just like a CT scanner. And then one of my graduate students, Tim Holmes, came to the realization and say, geez, what if it just looks like a CT scanner? Why don't you just make it, make it in a ring gantry? And, he, and he, he also leapt, why don't we put a, why don't we also do CT scanning in the machine to verify setup of the patient. So that became known as image-guided uh, radiation therapy. So IMRT and image guidance are the two leading thrusts of radiation therapy over the, the 90s and the 2000s. So we were the first to enter market with something that could do a CT scan as well as deliver IMRT. So, so what did you, before starting Tomo, what did you learn from uh, geometrics that uh, helped you start Tomo? I mean, besides product connections, but... Well, the business what, side, we learned a lot, too. Yeah, right? well, yeah. What, where, do you remember some of the major lessons learned from Geometrics? Well, you, I mean, you, Geometrics was founded... The founders were, the, were also the managers of the company. Yeah. So yeah. Mark was the CEO. I was the chairman of the board. And, uh, and so I think we learned that, you know, we're really smart guys, but we probably should have got a business person okay. to actually, actually run the company. Um, in terms, at least when you hit the commercial phase, yep, yep. right? So as a technology company, it's probably fine. But at some point, you, you need to have someone who's more interested in the business side than the technical side. And, um, and so that, that clearly is, is something I learned. So we, we hired um, uh, someone who came from the CT world, um, John, John Barney. He, he used to be in a company called Picker and then Marconi. And so he had retired from that, that from Marconi, joined us in, uh, I think, 2001. And um, by the way, it took us several years to, to raise the investment. For, for Tomo. Yeah, it did. We, we, we were in the dot-com bu- bubble. So we were trying to ra- raise money in, in, in 2008, two, or sorry, uh, 1998, 1999. Because when did you start the company? Uh, 19, the, the December of 1997. Okay, because had you sold, so you sold Geometrics? We sold Geometrics. Okay. And the interesting thing, I guess I got ahead of myself, yeah. an interesting yeah. thing is between 94 and 97, uh, we had a partnership with General Electric. So General okay. Electric wanted to, wanted to, they liked the idea of tomotherapy. They were number four in the field of radiation therapy then. And uh, so they, they wanted to leapfrog their their competitors. So, for three years we had a, had a very good relationship with General Electric, and then in '97 uh, GE had a radiotherapy accident that killed somebody by the fault of a service engineer, and so Jack Welch, who was still uh, the CEO, 
decided we're going to get out of radiation therapy and basically abandon our contract. Wow. So at that, so that in a way was very, very much a situation that we had in geometrics is that suddenly by that point I was, I had 20 people in the, in the, in the payroll to develop tomotherapy. We'd spent millions on it. I'd gotten grant. It was all grant and G funded at that point. So the group was up to 20 people and we were, you know, we were rocking and rolling with the, with GE equipment uh, as the basis for the tomotherapy machine in 97. Suddenly they, they just walked away. Wow. And so we scrambled to scramble to figure out what the hell we're going to do. So, so did you ever consider quitting or uh, giving up or trying to... Well, again, we had this yeah. problem. All these people yeah, were going to have to jobs, <laughs> right? You had to figure out something. And, and because that's a, it, that was a wild day. And because it had yeah. worked before... Yeah. And geometrics is that, well, let's give it another go. And so Paul and I uh, both put up, uh, uh, well, I ended up, we both had to put in about 75000 each. Okay. And then um, Wharf was very helpful. So, and who's Wharf? W- well, <laughs> Wisconsin Alumni yeah. Research yeah. Foundation. They, they um, uh, at, at this time, there was a, you know, it was depressing to, to have GE walk away. And at about the same time, I had an offer to, to go to, to uh, to um, to Harvard. Oh, really? To to, to do what? To, uh, to be to, to be the chief, actually. To be chief. Wow. Yeah. So so I decided that huh. that I that uh, that was an uh, certainly an option, and then Paul DeLuca, who was the provost here, uh, or became the provost, he was the chair of medical physics, uh, went and lobbying, tried to find money to uh, to keep uh, to keep me here. And what, what turned out to be the way to keep me here was to give a, 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 a fund of uh, funding for the, for the tomotherapy program of $1.1 million to tide us over until we could uh, get the company going. So Wharf was Worf very helpful. Wow. Very helpful. Without that, I don't think it would have happened. Huh. Uh, so they basically rescued the technology. Okay. It was, a, if you like, an early accelerator you yeah. know, Worf has an accelerator program yeah. to to uh, to uh, to um, uh, uh, you know make sure their patents are worth something, and keep keep you know, keep on the cutting edge. And so that was really critical uh, for our success. So, but and by '97, you must have had quite a bit of technology built. Like, how much long? How much longer until you? Uh, if G had if G had stayed in yeah. the program, we would have had something finished by 2000. Okay. Yeah. Was a, so how wow so you were starting ninety four so it'd be a, it was about a six year yeah. program it would have been if ideally yeah. but it, how long did it take you until you actually so, finished so so we actually had, uh, treated the first patient two two years after that in two thousand two okay. so with G with essentially the G design okay and that was um, that was in uh, I remember the date August twenty first uh, oh. two two thousand and two the first patient was treated. At the UW, and uh, from '97 to 2002, what what all happened? Raising money, what what so, additional research did you have to finish up? So 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 we never really got the so the company was founded, but we didn't really uh, move people from my research group over to the company till till the the winter uh, or the early winter. Uh, so I think it was February, January, February of '99. Okay, and then uh, by by. Um, July one, we had eight people at the company. Okay. And venture investor, venture investors were our, our lead, our lead uh, round. We got three million from them. We got three hundred thousand from the state as as a loan. 
and uh, that that then and and we were starting to look for uh, for a, a CEO. Okay. When you raised money from venture investors, did you have a prototype in place, or did you still have a lot to build? Or we still we had a, we were working on the prototype. So the prototype okay. was 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 being built. In fact, all of the software was all the software and algorithms, and the product design okay. was was going on. We had the gantry. We knew what gantry we were using at that point. Gantry. Oh, What's sorry. It? Gantry is the thing that spins around the patient. That holds everything together. So, was there much technology risk at the point when venture investors came in? <laughs> depends who you talk to. <laughs> it depends who you talk to. Yes, there. Were, I think there was at that point it was, mo it was mostly operational risk. Okay. And I think we had, we understand enough. There was no real science we were doing. We'd got the science all done over that okay. previous decade, um, and it was mainly the engineering, uh, operational engineering. We knew we knew that functionally everything could be done. So it was really operational risk, and of course, getting a experienced uh, CEO, more experienced CEO, was I think uh, a help. John John Barney was a great John help. Brown, okay. He got he was able to get a pretty nice team together in the early days of the company, and and uh, we had to change away from the General Electric platform um, into our own platform, um, and so we got an existing OEM supplier called Analogic. To help us build the gantry, and that that allowed us in a whole in a year, to to really do what we took taken us four years in GE. But of course, we knew what we were doing at that point. And but working with an OEM is a definitely another good thing to do. If you never if you um, if you have the opportunity uh, in technology to borrow from another technology or that's very close to yours. So the, so Analogic in Boston was building uh, one of the first bagging CT scanners. So we used their gantry system, and uh, and so it was essentially built upon a frame of a baggage scanner for That's Homeland smart. Security. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was After very interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, well, we'd started before. Yeah, so, we, was that, was so before they were scanning bags before two thousand and one. Yeah, um, and uh, but the market. But but you know the market really wasn't there. It wasn't. It wasn't. It really picked up after that. Obviously. Okay. So uh, let's see. What year did you raise money from? Uh, so we got VI? in ninety nine. We had the money, and we got it from VI and from a company yep. from a venture firm in Michigan called Avalon, who happens to be uh, with, with the head of that was Rick Snyder, the governor of Michigan. Oh, all right. So, so in fact, Avalon's biggest win was tomotherapy. So, really. So Rick Rick Snyder owes. Yeah. His, his venture capital <laughs> thing to to tomotherapy, and uh, so yeah, ninety nine. And so when did you start your first clinical study? And then when did you so you so the first clearance? So the, well, actually, we 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 also um, went. We also used the vet school very effectively because the vets 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 have a radiotherapy program, and so the first patients we treated uh, were um, were dogs. Oh. Even though we didn't have okay. to, we didn't need the F, we didn't need a clinical trial. So the F, we, we went in under a, five, a, a 510K, so we didn't need a clinical trial at all for the FD approval, but we were really using the animals to uh, to help train the, the technicians yeah. who would operate the machine. And you didn't, you didn't need a, um, a clinical study because there are predicates out there. There are like predicates existing. out there, exactly. But so what differentiates, because so there's predicates, but you still had new technology. It was just, was it... it yeah, you, you have to prove that it, that it's essentially the same. Essentially, the same. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. Okay. I mean, it's a well. We knew it was better, but all, all we could market it was the same. People, other people, really would have to make yeah. the, the claim that it's better. 
would that still work and today with it today at the FDA do you think the FDA might have wanted a, 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 a small set of patients to treat it today okay. possibly yeah it's hard to say because again uh, it, you know everybody you know you need a clinical trial when you're when when there's a biology question and yep. this really there was no biology question right it's purely engineering we know that radiation works we, we put we put the beam here the it's going to kill cells uh, preferentially to the tumor and not to the normal cells. So, and we know, and we know so much about the radiation dose effect. There's no real bio. There's no real biology to question that. So, I think it's it's silly for the FDA to to make a company do a clinical trial just to prove their engineering works. There's better ways to prove engineering works. Right, makes sense. And uh, we'll get off of Tomo. I'm just interesting because it, it for people outside of man, Tomo therapy is a big. Uh, it's a big story in Madison, so I've never heard the detailed story, so ho uh, hopefully everyone's enjoying it. I know I am. But I have one more question on Tomo, and then we'll get into what Rock is working on now and uh, where his interests lie. Uh, so Tomo, you eventually took it public. What, what year did you take it public? So, so we took it public in, uh, in uh, May of 2007. Okay. So and so we, were, we had profitable years two, two, 2004, 2005, and 2006. Okay. So, um, so we, we were quickly profitable, and uh, our market was growing year and year, you know, by uh, by you know multiple uh, by multiple dozens of percent. Yeah, and with initial sales, were you confident that uh, hospitals were gonna buy? Like, did you get lots of interest, or how? Did yeah, yeah, we got a lot. Okay. We got a lot of interest. Okay. Yeah, there was a ton of interest, and uh, and we we. Uh, we also hired a new CEO. Um, so John John Barney retired in okay. two, 2005. We we got Fred Robertson, who was a very a very experienced CEO, had had run Marquette Electronics in Milwaukee, and had been and then when it, GE bought it, he had run that division uh, uh, in GE, uh, and he brought a very experienced team with him uh, to grow the company from 2005 to and do the IPO. Gotcha. So, so that was also strategic, getting the you know getting the right people at the right time. Uh, John was great, wonderful for you know for kicking off the company, and uh, but you know Fred really accelerated the growth uh, in two thousand five, two thousand six. How did he accelerate growth? Well, it, it just just well, the, the and the product was was really catching hold, okay. but right. but we had the right people, and they and they 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 I think maximized the uh, the um, the marketing okay. and the sales. So looking back, are you glad that you did the IPO? Would you've um, gone a different route, or you know, there's you can, uh, hindsight. Yeah. No, it was a great IPO. It was is the it was the sixth largest healthcare IT uh, uh, IPO of the decade. Wow! Oh. So and it was the the largest one in Madison. It had a peak value of one point two billion, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> so it was it was as market good size. cap. It was good, good size. size. <laughs> good size. And and uh, it was it was you know it was it was a great IPO. Um, of course, then we hit the meat grinder of the 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 crash yep. oh, yeah. in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, so we reached a peak um, of about two hundred and forty million in revenue in two thousand seven, hmm. with a with a pretty hefty backlog. Um, unfortunately, um, our our backlog was probably was overstated by our 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 uh, VP of sales. Okay. Uh, be, well, it wasn't overstated. It was um, it wasn't, I think properly justified because we were starting to sell to big uh, what's called IDNs so they were big um, hospital chains um, and so so they they just bought n 
N of them at a, at a discount. And we didn't know where exactly they'd be installed and when they'd be installed. And so reporting backlog became kind of more strict. You needed to know when and where things would be installed. And so we, we, we decided we'd be conservative and, and, and pull out some of those IDN deals. And so that, that hurt our stock yeah, price, yeah. Okay. right? So that was the first little dip, dip in the stock price. Then, then our, the biggest competitor in the field came out with their, we're nearly as good as tomotherapy product. <laughs> okay, we're nearly <laughs> as good. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they said it was just as good, yeah, but, yeah. but the field <laughs> knew it was, it was nearly as good. And, uh, and so that hurt, that hurt the market. And then the whole healthcare, the, the whole healthcare restructuring was the third kind of blow. Uh, yeah, after yeah. Obama took over, and so there was big uncertainty. Hospitals weren't buying in the U.S. Although at the same time, we had gone out into the European, uh, European and Asian market and had tremendous traction, especially really? Asia. Yeah, so Korea, it, Korea has the highest proportion of tomotherapy units in the world. Huh. Uh, I did not know that. In fact, for many years, I think they were the number one type of radiotherapy product. Huh. And what was the revenue model? Is it Mainly a large upfront purchase plus maintenance contracts. Yes. Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, All right. yeah. And how much did one of those machines cost? Oh, the typical. I mean, the listing for three million and yeah. real real world prices would be like two seven. Oh, I mean, two five to yeah. two seven, depending on the country. Interesting. So, I mean, yeah, good lessons from your background is that you know to take really good science and to create you know really interesting user experiences around it in some ways, especially with. Um, yeah. on geometrics um, but imagine you did the same with Tomo too and yeah, uh, yeah no Tomo, I mean Tomo is a great product is a great product and Accurate bought it in yeah in, yeah. Uh, in uh, 2011 and um, but what often happens when when companies buy a Madison company is the Madison company leaves mm -hmm. what happened here was a Silicon Valley company Accurate had moved its manufacturing here so it's actually now uh, it has much more manufacturing because two product lines are coming out yeah. of the factory that, here. It's a great story for Madison. Yeah. All right. Well, I could talk all day about that, but let's uh, move on to what you're doing now. And uh, yeah, so what are you up to now? So, <laughs> so oh, wait, when did you officially leave Tomo? So, so I left when we when the merge okay. uh, the merger uh, ha happened in uh, in the end of June and in uh, in uh, 2011. And you started in '97, so. or the middle of June in '97. So 14 or years. 11, or sorry, 2011. Yeah, so I was at a, at that tomotherapy, oh. long time, long time, long awesome. time, more than more than more than twenty years actually. From, yeah, if you look at the from from, from ideas to end, so that was a long run. That was a long run, long good run, <laughs> a long good run. Yeah, it worked out. Maybe that's why it was a long because it was good. Um, yeah. So what are you up to, up to now? So so I I uh, spent five years at the Mortgage Institute, uh, medical engineering. And what's the Mortgage Institute? Uh, so the Mortgage in Institute's a private, not-for-profit set up, a research institution set up to help the University of Wisconsin and to partner with the University of Wisconsin. But, it, but it's a little bit more nimble because uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, not, a, not a public university. And so there, there were several research, big research groups in here, uh, regenerative medicine, virology, um, basically high-speed, high-throughput computing, uh, medical engineering, um, and now there's a new group uh, on on uh, metabolism. So kind of broad broad groups working uh, working with uh, University of Wisconsin scientists, so. and I 
uh, a lot of the technology uh, that I actually am working on now as a as a retired academic uh, had, uh, had its uh, genesis in that group. Okay. Because uh, you retired in 2011 I, from uh, the UW, right? I, I, So, so I, no, I actually, yeah. I stayed a bit longer. I didn't re actually retire and become emeritus until 2012. No. And I'd actually joined Mortgage before, before I actually retired from the university. Um, and uh, so at the end of, uh, the end of, uh, um, 2014, I retired from mortgage after five years. So I was at mortgage for five years. And that's that's when I went in uh, to saying, I'm willing to do this for five years, start the program. Mm -hmm. So it's been, that, was, that was the fast five years. I remember doing that. And so yeah. so I you know uh, got the first 3D printing uh, printing systems uh, in the university at mortgage. We have a great uh, high-precision machine shop. Um, we, we had, uh, uh, at the end of, by the end of, um, by the end of uh, 2014, we had worked with uh, 40 groups. Uh, wow. Well, actually, 40 departments on campus, huh. and we had had we spent out 155 projects. What What's an example of one one interesting project that you? Oh, there's just so many. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so uh, the uh, one, one that was cute is um, uh, the the kind of the fruit fly of the botany world is a plant called Arabidopsis. And a Arabidopsis grows just a few inches high, and you can grow it in a test tube, and and so it's until it gets seeds, then you can then you can figure out its genetic properties from its seeds, right, from its progeny, huh. and then you plant those those you manipulate it and plant those those seeds, so but the seeds are only are only uh, half half a millimeter in size, and so or for even 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 smaller than that, maybe two hundred microns in size, and so you have to. Uh, you have to plant them up to then with little tweezers, and so we developed a, a vacuum system so that you could plant you could plant uh, a thousand at a time at the same time you could plant a, a couple at a, a couple at a time. So and this was a project to try to grow you know at a, at in each generation a million of these plants. Wow. So so it made it made that growing a million at a time practical. So that was a cool project. Because how did it work? You, you, yeah, we we uh, well with the three D printers we can make these tiny little little vacuum holes ah. that that so we apply a vacuum suck the seeds to the, yes. to the to the yes. hole. so each hole had <laughs> held a seed and then we put it into the petri dish and then blew the seed into the into the into the uh, growth media uh -huh. and so and then we wrote a, we wrote a nice paper a couple of papers actually uh, with the with that botany group okay we worked with groups for example another bot botany group that was looking at the effects of gravity. And growth. Um, we worked with um, with Jim Burby to develop a better autoscope. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for his emergency uh, emergency uh, medicine program for for kids, it was a it was a scaled down autoscope and uh, and uh, yeah. My daughter needs that. We've had a lot of autoscopes in, in the last uh, month, last year. Um. So 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 that was a great time. Um, okay. And three technologies that came that came out of that we we uh, patented. Through through Wharf, um, uh, one was a veterinary CT scanner um, that could scan horse legs and horse heads, mm. uh, built on a robotic uh, platform, um, and uh, that patent is now issued. Um, a um, technology to for fluorescent guided surgery that would uh, enable people not to turn the lights off if they want to use fluorescence in Ooh. surgery. And, and you know, kind of having the lights off 
and surgery is a kind, problem. Yeah. kind of is a problem yeah. Yeah. so it's kind yeah. of a kind of an oxymoron and <laughs> and so so uh we developed a technology that would hi- have a high speed flashing of white light so the room would appear brightly lit but most of the time you actually have the room dark and acquiring mm. the fluorescent signal clever and so clever. and so that 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 is i think extremely valuable technology and and then um and then uh the uh, we also developed a linear CT scanner system so that we, rather than having a point that the, the point uh, of production of x-rays, the x-rays could be along a line of production. Huh. And this, this could be used then for a next generation of CT scanners to, to uh, have a stationary, have a, actually a stationary source. So these line sources would be forming a polygon around the patient. And you would then keep the, keep the source uh, fixed, fixed. And, and the detectors would all be fixed oh. as well and so that you could uh, then have a, a stationary CT scanner which also could be important for baggage and, and security yeah. purposes uh, yeah so so that technology um, utilized then putting multiple cathodes um, to irradiate this line source then it occurred to us that occurred to us that gee you know the principal problem in an x-ray target is that these the electron beam that's striking the X-ray target will melt the target unless you do a, it's a problem. Yeah. Unle- unless you cool yeah. it like crazy, but that's an opportunity for three D printing. Hmm. So 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 we also then filed a patent with Wharf on uh, on a three D printing technology uh, that could that's perfectly scalable to make a line source of um, of a little uh, little uh, well a, li- a line source of electron beams. And so, where the beam is striking uh, the a powder, it'll melt powder together. And where it's not, it won't. And so, that technology um, was patented by uh, Wharf as well. Wow. So, so those three technologies: the the CT scanner for uh, for animals, especially horses. The uh, the fluorescent guided lighting system, and uh, and the um, linear uh, print head if you like, electron beam, uh, metal 3D printer um, are, are things that we're forming companies around. Okay, now. Right. okay. Yeah, and so, what, yeah, what are you up to now from the more, let's say, more the entrepreneurial investor um, side of things? So, so uh, the, 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 um, the company that is developing the, the animal, a large animal CT scanner um, is, is called Asto CT. Asto means to stand. And huh. and the problem with horses is, you would like them to stand while they're getting the CT scanned. If you have to put them under general anesthetic, horses don't do well when they come out, and so people then essentially aren't see, aren't doing screening or diagnostic exams for horses. And so mm-hmm. this, and so this will enable the horse to have light sedation and get the CT scan. I mean, horses stand while they're sleeping, so we put them to sleep, scan their legs, and then look for fractures. Which is, a, which is a huge unmet need. Yeah, yeah. So, so to give you an, an example, you know, for every th- every thousand um, thousand races, there's three three fractures on the racetrack, and those horses wow. are euth- are euthanized. Oh. So there's a huge a huge problem with horses breaking their legs and falling. Interesting. And so we think that the racing industry will want this, but also show and recreation horses. You know. You know, we don't want a Christopher Reeves yeah. t- type accident as well. 
How far away are you from a, a prototype, or maybe you already have a prototype? So, so we're working, uh, this is another lesson, we're working with a Boston o, uh, OEM provider, different one actually than Analogic, okay. um, to, uh, to, uh, because they have a, their own version of a, of a, of a baggage scanner okay. um, that is a, basically a CT scanner. So we'll, we'll be partnering with them to, uh, on, on this project. And, we're, and robots are, are kind of commodities now, so we're partnering with... Uh, uh, a couple of different robotics okay. companies to, with, with these. Uh, well, I'm interested in that, but with these partnerships, do you, is there money exchange? Or it's more promises if things go well. You know, we'll sell more of your equipment. Or how does, how does the kind of this kind of the R the yeah so, technology development phase work? So 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 typically then there is a it's called non recurring engineering. So you would then um, you then enter into agreement to give them some money, uh, for the engineering that they have to do. In, re in re return for favorable pricing, uh, okay. if you if you end up u using the product, uh, and it, so so a business agreement, and then maybe a ma even a manufacturing agreement beyond that. So it's typically three phases: non-recurring engineering, some sort of pricing on on units that they can modify, and then a long-term project where they might make something okay. more specific for you. Have you raised money for? So okay. I put in some money, yeah, so okay. I, and, right. and we are raising money. Okay. All right. So we're looking for another three hundred fifty thousand. Okay. All right. Uh, to and then we would roll up my. I have a bridge note for hundred fifty. Okay. We roll right. that up into a half a million dollar to build the first prototype. Okay. For the for us to see. And then you get additional funding. And then and then next and then the Q Q one um, look for additional funding. Q one of twenty seventeen look for additional funding. Okay. Do you, so. Do you have? Uh, CEO for that, or is that still yeah we do. Is, so, okay. so we have an experienced CEO. Oh. He he ran. He was the CTO for Lunar, and Luna, and then ran when Lunar sold to GE. He ran the CT operation for GE uh, oh, for, for 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 Lunar. He was there. He was in those two companies for twenty years. He also worked at Philips, and he's and after that he went to work for a startup. So he's got startup experience as well. Okay. So Dave Ergen's his name. Dave Ergen. Okay. Yeah. So and what uh, what other companies? Uh, are you involved with and, so, any ideas you're working on? I know you're very busy. It sounds like you're very busy. But, yeah. so, well, and, and by the way, I'm the chairman of this company. So day-to-day, uh, okay. -day, I mean, I, I work you know, very part-time for these yeah, companies. Yeah. Uh, give them mainly uh, startup advice and and, uh, and give some of my experience to them rather than having to... I mean, I'm not the guy soldering anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Although at Tomo Therapy, we'd sweep the floors, you know. That's how, that's, that's how, or, that's... or shovel the walks when we had to. So, so the oldest uh, company that um, I'm, uh, the oldest startup company I'm working with now is HealthMind, and by old I mean it's a couple of years old. <laughs> and HealthMind is uh, is the old, uh, basically band getting back together. So Mark Gehring, and Praveen Sinha, and Roger Chilla, who um, who also worked with Mark in his uh, startup after Geometrics, um, uh, have gotten together, and so it's a healthcare IT that merges um, the uh, imaging record uh, with, the, with the electronic medical record and uh, produces quantitative data from the imaging record, uh, adds it to the quantitative information from the medical record, and allows radiologists and oncologists to both understand um, the trajectory of, of a hmm. patient over time, uh, but also curate the data, in other words, to be able to to see if the data uh, seems reasonable for using that for research uh, to determine, for example, um, if uh, uh, 
certain information in the record is prognostic uh, for various diseases or descriptive for various diseases um, or uh, predictive of outcome. Do you, have any, so, do you have any good case studies or an example of where this... Uh, so this works? software is being, um, is being uh, first uh, released clinically. We have FDA approval uh, for it uh, at the university in April of 2016. And uh, so we'll st be starting to gather uh, clinical okay. information okay. uh, at the UW. We have another partner at uh, Tampa uh, in Florida, uh, the Moffitt Cancer Center. And we're looking for a few other customers uh, to implement this year. And then these customers are providing feedback because um, this is a very market-driven company. We want to see really what's the most useful now. Uh, but as well, looking forward to seeing where this field is of healthcare IT uh, is going. We're, at the moment, there's, there's almost no other comparable companies that is merging the imaging record and the electronic medical record. Mm. Um, so if ver there is some competition, but, but not, on, not in North America. And so th this is a, a very interesting company. We're about to, um, in fact, we're raising uh, uh, some money uh, as we speak. How much are you raising? Well, I think uh, it really depends on the market, but uh, uh, it's, it's going to be several million dollars. And, uh, and this would keep the company uh, through to uh, the uh, deep introduction into the marketplace okay. in 2017. Did you have to uh, do a clinical study for FDA? Approval? Uh, no, again, no. it's for 510K. Another in fact, we have okay. two 510Ks for various pieces of the software. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Then the, uh, the fluorescent-guided surgery company yeah. is called, uh, called Onloom. Okay. And, in fact, it was in the governor's business plan last year and got second place in life sciences division. Uh, the, winner, the winner won uh, the, whole, the whole... The winner of life sciences right. won the whole division yeah. uh, last year. So... So we are uh, finishing up our prototype. Um, uh, I have I have actually rented some space on the east side in in uh, out of, uh, in um, in a uh, associated with a machine a big machine shop, Swift Engineering. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know those guys. You yeah. know those guys, yep, yeah. Yep. So so they're quite entrepreneurial as well, yep. and so it's a great partnership. So both Astro CT and Onloom are located in, in the oh. same building. As Swift, so it makes it handy. Yeah, they've got some good equipment out there too. Yeah, it's yeah, it's first rate. Yeah. And um, then, um, so uh, so Onloom is finishing up its prototype. Um, the um, uh, we we have partnered with a lighting a surgical lighting vendor, a very informal part partnership at this point, and we've modified their lights to give this uh, flashing huh. the ability to flash the lights at high frequency. Uh, we have a high-speed camera that, that we are finalizing, and we'll have a, a, a kind of a nifty um, software that will then, then be able to add the fluorescent signal to the white light signal so that the surgeon can then see, cut what, what glows, basically, and so be able to do that in, 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 with visible light. So are you, with, with these companies, are you, are you talking to people in the industry, like potential clients? Like the technology sounds... You know, very interesting. So, how do you know people will actually buy it? And for the well, price? you you for sure all these yeah. companies you got to go and talk yeah. to the market, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, you know, it helps to be a be a founder who knows the market. So, I'm a, I'm I know the market pretty well. By the way, um, Astro CT also has two vets uh, that are their co-founders. So, so it yeah. helps to it helps to to really understand the market. So, yeah. so so they've made lots of introductions. We've talked to 
lots of both vet owners and and vets. And then they in the um, surgical lighting or surgical guided surgery, we've talked to surgeons. We have two advisors, one at the vet school, one one in uh, neurosurgery. Our first prototype will go again into the vet school. And so again, you, you start to see things repeating itself. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and there you don't need FDA approval to sell to the in the veterinary market. Nope. So that's another thing about both Which these nice. companies. Is on them. They won't. They won't need. We won't need it for. No, it's, it's yeah. not. No, we don't need it's it. Not touching. It's patient, not touching yeah. humans, right? Nope. <laughs> and and so you basically just need electrical safety. So UL approval oh, for, nice. for these products. Yeah, it's very nice. I mean, yeah. yeah. How much do you think it'll take in order to get, let's say, Onloom to the market? Well, you know, Onloom will take will take a little more, I yeah. think, because uh, we have to develop there. There's less of the base technology, although there's you know you can get very nice camera systems, um, uh, you know, and of course you can get nice monitors and and uh, and and of course the lights are available. So again, we're trying to do as much yeah. as possible, but it it does take a little bit more engineering. It's not it's not an integration task like Asto is relative is going to be relatively quick to the market because it's it's integration. Um, uh, you know, Onloom, uh, they started at the same time, both these companies, okay. by the way. Onloom, Onloom uh, has more engineering, in-house engineering to do. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And, and then the third company is the, is the least developed. We've entered the business plan competition okay. for this year. By the way, as has Asto. Asto didn't, didn't put in last year, so they put in this year. So they both made it to the first uh, cut, cuts. Right. And uh, so, um, so the... Uh, 3D metal printing company is called Lenectra, and uh, it's um, it's it's uh, uh, only founded this year. Or in fact, it, sorry, it will be founded this year. It still hasn't incorporated fully. It's in G beta. It made it into to the G beta program. Uh, oh, okay. So I don't know. It's, you know, it's association of Wharf and, and generator. Yep. Yep. And so and, and generator is an accelerator in what. Mass in Milwaukee. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and G G G beta is kind of a the, the short course <laughs> yeah. version, um, and uh, the the founder is 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 interesting on this company because this is his fourth company he started. Oh. Uh, he when he was a graduate student here he uh, founded uh, three other companies. Wow, he's uh, busy. He's <laughs> and and doing a PhD. In fact, he's, he'll finish his PhD this summer. Okay, who's that? Um, Brandon Walker. Okay. And you know Brandon is uh, is is very entrepreneurial. He's visit, he's the one of these guys who's uh, both good in business and good in, in, in wow. with which is rare the technology. Which is rare, right? Yeah. In fact, the 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 CEO of Onlum is also uh, of that ilk. Um, uh, Adam Uzelman, again, good business head, very good, very good technical head. Um, both very driven guys, um, young, aggressive. Um, smart, uh, focused. Hmm. So, but and and that's what it It's a pleasure. Right, to, I was say, pleasure right. to mentor you guys can, like exactly. that. Exactly. You can yeah. you can be on the board and help. Uh, they exactly. use all your mistakes and everything you've learned. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> come, don't do this. Don't right. do that. Right. Um, and uh, so yeah, we're, we're we're almost out of time. But what's what's Lenectra doing? Uh, exactly so, 3D printing. so 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 Lenectra will be able to per, will be able to put a um, a electron beam anywhere along a line. Okay, so that's the and yeah, and, yeah. and and then melt powder, metal powder, yep. and uh, then get fully melted powder that will make uh, finished finished uh, strong products, strong metal products. Okay, and then and then you have to talk about Ace a little bit. 
Oh yes, yeah. So, so let's let's talk about the University of Wisconsin. So what's going on there? Right. So yeah. so at so at mortgage, I'm I'm you know they 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 want me to be both entrepreneurial and to help technologies that were developed at mortgage get out to the life of day, and I'm doing that. Um, but also some development activities try to raise money for 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 mortgage, and then. Um, I also have a kind of a third university role, and that is as the president of ACE. ACE is the Advocacy Consortium for Entrepreneurs, or or easier thing to say, the the, uh, the, uh, the Association of Campus Entrepreneurs. Oh. The, both both ways you say it's ACE. Yeah. <laughs> and and so basically, it's it's academic entrepreneurs um, to help academic entrepreneurs. It's a five hundred one c four, so we officially can do lobbying if we want. Mm -hmm. It'll hire hire lobbyists. Um, uh, we, we have some, par some partnerships with uh, American Family and several other service org org organizations, um, Morgan Stanley, Dieter um, uh, Boucher, and so on, uh, that, that, that help us. And what we do is we are, um, we, we, every two months we have a program to get these entrepreneurs together uh, and, and focus on some aspect of academic entrepreneurship. Uh, and we we are a, an association that is probably one of the few associations that goes all the way across campus. So, so it turns out that the most entrepreneurial a academics are artists. Interesting. One hundred one hundred percent. They're all entrepreneurs. There's no there's no such thing as an ivory tower <laughs> ar artist, right? <laughs> right. They are judged by their impact on society, yeah. and and innovation in uh, in uh, in art. And that they're judged by how much society appreciates their art, and so and so they are the most entrepreneurial, and you know it, it's in, it's interesting. Probably the the business faculty in some ways are the are the least in terms of actually starting companies, um, but clearly we have a lot of entrepreneur you know in the in the engineering school, in the medical school, and and and, and you know. Uh, 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 College of uh, Agriculture and Life Sciences as well. So we probably have a universe here of a couple hundred academic entrepreneurs. And by the way, it also includes postdocs and graduate students um, in the entrepreneurial set. So I think we're, we're kind of a nice organization. We're trying to develop some ideas for a seed fund to support the D2P, which is Discovery to Product, an incubator that, that the university has. Um, and so Hopefully, we'll be able to find some some mechanism to to be the be one of the first supports for some of the graduates of these incubator programs. Yeah, it's a great resource for the University of Wisconsin and Madison and the state of Wisconsin. So, hopefully, we can keep that going. And before we go, we talked about this before the interview. Is kind of what's your vision for? And I thought it was interesting for uh, postdocs. Like, where do you where do you think they should be? Well, it time it. On? it it turns out that that postdocs probably are the biggest potential entrepreneurs in, in terms of success. And in other words, you look at the, the pool of entrepreneurs. We have eight hundred of them on campus. We have two thousand faculty. We have eight hundred postdocs. Right. Now the the faculty aren't going to go full time to a company, yeah. but the postdocs could, and and they end up when they go to a company like Tomotherapy had a couple of postdocs, and they did very well. They 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 ended up uh, they ended up um, uh, uh, doing very well and financially, but also very well in terms of having a choice if they wanted to be even become academics uh, after a run at Tomotherapy. After that, after that, really so, like so there's a life. Yeah. I mean, because more and more un universities want real world experience, right? And so 
it turns out that that there a survey was done by our postdoc association here that when they entered last year that only eight percent ever thought they would get into industry well the the truth is more than half end up in industry <laughs> right and unfortunately they're not being trained uh, for a life of industry they're being trained to be professors and so I think the university um, should have a an entrepreneurial postdoc training program that that then um, takes a cohort of them and finds University of Wisconsin technology uh, to spin out. And these guys are the perfect chief technology officers uh, for the uh, spin-off company. So I, I think we should start a program where we nationally advertise for entrepreneurial-minded postdocs to get some basic training, which we already offer here, like the like the uh, like the uh, um, uh, well, like D2P is D2P, a good example, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well as the uh, the entrepreneurial boot camp yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's offered. And, and there's actually lots of opportunities for classes in the business school as well. So we should put that together, uh, find postdocs, advertise nationally for those that want to, to, to see what industry is like, as well as, as, well mm. as learning how to be a professor. That'd be smart. Yep. That'd be smart, because yeah. we'd end up getting the best yep. people, I yep. think. And and so uh, Mark Cook uh, and I have been been trying to uh, work on 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 this for a, for a while. We we think we're starting to get some uh, some uh, um, people traction and, yeah, starting yeah. to get some traction. Yeah, and yeah. and the, the, we have a postdoc uh, association now that is is, is joined in with uh, Milwaukee's Pico program, which is a internship and consulting program to give postdocs a taste of what it's like to be in a company. So hopefully that too will transfer from Milwaukee uh, to Madison. And by Milwaukee, I mean Mar Marquette and, and University of Wisconsin, okay. Milwaukee. Right. Interesting, yeah, well that, that would be, yeah, that'd be great for the state of Wisconsin and Madison and the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial community. And especially if you're attracting the postdocs are already kind of have that entrepreneurial bent just makes a lot of sense. Is exactly. exactly. anybody else doing that? Uh, well, other than Pico, and there's a there's a similar program in St. Louis at Wash U. Okay. Um, you know, they're really. I don't think I don't think universities have seen what a resource postdocs potentially mm. are. I mean, a well trained entrepreneurial minded postdoc who's got some business experience and, or some incubation. Uh, is a has a tremendous career potential ahead of them. Oh yeah, I mean that those really be, could become future CEOs. Yep, right. definitely. It'd be great to, at least for Madison, keep some of them in Madison. Even if they go outside of Madison to start companies and create that network, and yeah, it'd be it'd be powerful. Right. All right. Well, we can keep talking, but we probably should stop. Uh, Rock, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Thanks, Dave. And uh, thanks for everyone listening. And uh, I learned a lot. And, to me, this is fascinating. So definitely appreciate appreciate Rock's time, and uh, appreciate all of you listening. So uh, we'll see you all uh, next time. Bye. <laughs>